I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost of Words DraftKings podcast. I'm going to go with DraftKings every time now because we can call it DFS, but uh, you know we do just focus on DraftKings, uh, which right, is yeah. everyone, isn't it? So I'm going to go with DraftKings for now. But Matt, you're here, Matt Vincenzi. Hello again. Hey, a couple of heartbreakers for both of us last week. It's uh, that's always tough, but Fina mm, was great, and that's that's how it goes. Yeah, I think so. For I was sort of saying like for our betting podcast, like we had three three winners in a row, and so we were due some regression, but having wearing finished runner-ups of Richie Ramsey uh, at the uh, the British Masters, uh, not the British Masters, at uh, Hillside, and then the following week having Andy Pepperell finish second to Sean Crocker, both by a shot, uh, that was pretty tough to take. I mean, I had Taylor Pendriff, and I didn't really have too much faith in him um, behind Tony Fino on a final day. But uh, we were pretty keen on Cameron Young. Uh, we kind of said that. He was our guy from the top, and, you know, he... He delivered, I think, what, what we kind of expected. Didn't get the win, but, you know, it was it was pretty good. It was just that Tony Fina was playing on a different planet right now. Yeah, I mean, I had a really good overall week because I played a lot of uh, Cam Young and then um, Champ finished in the top 20. Pendrith, obviously, in the, in the top two. Those are kind of my three main core plays. I had a couple of good 6K plays in Brandon Wu, who I finished, I think I finished like 28th. Roger Sloan made the cut, who I, ta- who I liked a lot. Um, I didn't get the exact combinations right but i definitely got enough to cash and at least make my money back and and uh nothing big but i'll take it yeah i mean like brandon moo was top 30 wasn't he um yeah roger sloan i can't remember where he finished now just looking for that he fell off on sunday 49th so you know got through the cut and that's, that's all you really need from him like he was 35th at the halfway stage and you know, for, for me, Alex Smalley and Chesson Hadley were big letdowns for me, and, and that kind of cost me. And, you know, these things happen. Like, I, I, I was concerned as to whether Alex Smalley could keep the putting up for the Rocket Mortgage Classic, and he didn't. Um, whether we go back to the well uh, this week is something that we'll discuss in a minute. But, you know, just just a couple of players I was, I was wrong on, and I'm fine to be wrong on. Like, it just happens. Uh, this is golf, and we're now at the final event of the regular tour season. Do we put any stock i know we kind of maybe touched upon this last week a little bit do we put any stock now on the fedex cup standings um i not really i mean you can use it maybe in some cases some guys you think might be more motivated like i don't know that narrative was kind of with like the chess and hadley last year i think some guys it might matter some guys it it doesn't but i i I was reading a piece this week and it said kind of basically it doesn't really have much of a bearing on results and uh especially with all these guys gone now you saw like ricky fowler moved up to like 120 and he hasn't done anything so it's like it's it's hard to really read into it, and I'm probably not going to read into it all that much. No, you mentioned there Ricky Fowler's. Uh, he's 122, projected to be 123 this week. But I think one guy that probably would come under focus for me, and I wouldn't let it change my mind on him this week. I've got a pretty firm opinion on him. But Webb Simpson uh, is sitting at 117th uh, projected wow. standings, which is unheard of for Webb Simpson. Uh, and I think that's probably going to point to, to you know where we think about him and, and leads us into the conversation quite quickly so Wills Alatoris 10-9 Webb Simpson 10-7 Shane Larry 10-6 Sung JM 10-5 and Billy Horschel 10-3 um, who do you like? so it's tough now I don't know if you I, I commented earlier on um, you know uh, Golf Digest post and I didn't uh, mean to, to come off as like I was dismissive of it, but it said, should you fade the mega chalk web this week? And the thing is, he's not going to be mega chalk. He's, he's going to be the pivot up here. You might think 
you know, he's a, he's going to be the mega chalk, but he, he isn't. He absolutely is not. He's probably going to be the lowest owned guy up here. 9,000 above, I don't see anyone uh, less than him besides Tyrrell Hatton. So that's the real decision to make, right? If, it, if he was popular and this expensive, that's an easy decision. You just yeah. don't play him. But I still, I'm still not going to play him, but it actually makes it more interesting now that he is the pivot at a place where he obviously loves. He's actually played well here in the past when he hasn't really been in the best of form either. So, um, But I'm, not, I'm probably not going to play him. The guy I'm playing is, is Sungjae. He's going to be very popular, but he just he had the best ball striking week of his career at the 3M Open. Gained almost 11 ball striking. So he just seems like a perfect fit for here. He hits fairways. He's a good Bermuda putter. Everything about him I like. Yeah, I mean, it's weird with Sungjae. Like, I just find it really hard. But I used to think he was really reliable. And like the, the main part of his um, allure when he came off the, the corn ferry was the fact that he was just so consistent, right? And then you get all the jokes about the fact that he was playing every week and you can tell he's going to be you know, consistent because he's just always going to be there. And and then we just didn't know what to do with him at the Rocket, uh, the 3M, and he suddenly finishes second. Um, has basically one bad round, which is a seven seat. So it wasn't even a bad round, right? But you know, like you say, he's going to be the most popular as, as it stands, or at least one of uh, probably close with Russell Henley and and you know people like that. But it with Webb, I just don't trust him. I just don't trust Webb to do what Webb has been doing over here in the past. I know you said that he's played well here in the past when he hasn't been in the best form, but like it feels noticeably different this year. Like even last week he hit 17 out of 18 greens on Thursday. Um, you know, shot a 66. I think he was bogey free and just didn't do anything after that. And it's just like, okay, I know that you know, look at his record here, miss cut eighth first, 22nd, 11th, 5th, 6th, 72nd, and then goes third, second, second, third, seventh. There's a reason he's got a kid called Wyndham, right? Like it, it makes a, you know, makes complete sense. Uh, it's his first win. He plays here well basically every year, barring two starts. He missed the cut in his debut and finished 72nd, sandwiched in between all that. But the thing that concerns me a little bit is he played. He's played so well here over the last five years without winning, and now he's got a dip in form to contend with as well. Like at 10 7, you want him to win. I don't trust him to do that. Right, and he has great history at the John Deere too, and he missed the cut there. Which was, I think, was you know pretty concerning. Thirteenth um, at Travelers, so he did have a, a good start mixed in there. I, I don't think it's impossible to see him play well this week, but I just think at that price, there's it's just tough. It's just tough. I mean, if you want to get, you know, take a risk and say if he if he plays well, I'm going to have huge leverage, and he shows that he has played well here, so you can do that. But I, I, I I'm with you. I'm just not going to you know I'm not going to get too cute with it and try to make a you know. Uh, you know the best play by playing him and, and avoiding the other guys who are playing much better so i'm just not going to do it although if somebody does it then it's a big risk and it, it could pay off yeah it's one of those like it makes the perfect sense to, to try and do it but we we've seen in recent weeks right the people that haven't been in the best form come to a golf course and we all think they're going to kind of make a difference and they don't and kevin kisner not playing very well last week was a, a little bit of evidence of that and you know i just I just don't want to chase the course history guys as much these days. Although Wyndham is probably the most predictable place in terms of course history, maybe alongside things like the Masters and things like that. But um, yeah, Webster's is not for me. And actually, Will Zalatoris isn't for me either at 10-9. No, and this is what I said last week, and I feel the same way this week. I mean, he's going to a course where his best skill set is taken out of his hands. Mid to long irons um, you know, aren't really going to be that much of a factor on a shorter course. Uh, I just think he is just... Can, you know he was good last week he was okay but he didn't pay off his price tag whatsoever and i think this week is a similar thing i mean could he play well absolutely he's, he's good enough to play well anywhere but if i play him it's going to be at a place where the scoring is going to be difficult 
he's going to need to be, uh, you know, long irons, take advantage of par fives, all that other stuff. And I just think everything he does well is kind of mitigated at this place. Yeah, and I think I think for me, like, like you say, I'm pretty sure I can see him finishing 20th, right, and having a really good week. So I think his talent just takes over. We see people come to the window before and just play well because they're the best players in the field. And when you look at his debut way back in kind of like I think it was 2018, um, he missed the cut, but he bounced back from 71 on the open day, shoot at 67. And then last year, he finishes 29th when you would say it's probably his real debut. Um, shot Saturday 65 and four rounds of 69 or better. But yeah, like, I just think he's going to tread water and it's not for me. So then I think the decision comes in the in the Shane Lowry, Sung J and Billy Horschel uh, section. And I really liked Billy Horschel. I thought, I thought it was it was between him and Siwoo Kim for me as my favourite bet this week. And I think now that I've gone with Kim on the betting board, I think Horschel's probably the play for me. Yeah, his course history is really good too. And it's really not being talked about as much as some of these other guys like Siwoo and Webb, who obviously have an incredible course history too. Um, I think because his, his is patchier maybe, like because mm-hmm. he's had like 30th, 46th, 47th missed cut, but then gone 5th, 60th, 11th, 6th, 2nd. Like I would rather take the fact he's gone 11th, 6th and 2nd the last three times and really just kind of figured it out, always had the ability to do it and just hasn't. And now like he's just been ultra consistent. I know like, 14 to 17 cuts and two of those missed cuts have come in the last four starts but they were at the US Open and Scottish Open like not a major player hasn't really been uh, was coming off the back of a win at the Memorial at the, the US Open and the Scottish Open just maybe wasn't for him and he played really well at the Open Championship for a tight 21st finish played well in Europe when he'd been over there as well and you look and Heritage tied 21st poor final round like Honda played well um, Sony Open played okay like all these places where you think about kind of like wedges and short irons i think he was really good so i really like the chances of billy horschel this week yeah makes makes total sense um i'm i'm not going to be there because i'm playing song jay instead and yeah that's pretty much what i'm going to do up there but yeah he missed the cut at us open in the scottish open which um you know i don't think was it was a huge surprise and the open he played he played all right but coming off that winter memorial for me it's like is he going to go back and win again and that's what he pretty much would need to do would be his second win in five starts um and you know if you look around that the win at memorial was kind of strange right he missed the cut of the charles schwab he was 68th at pga like he, the form really has been all that great outside of the win um so he's been consistent here lately but i feel like overall this year hasn't been the most consistent um although he has those spike performances and Wyndham is definitely a, a, an awesome spot for him i remember when he was came in second here was a couple of years ago um was that when uh was that when jim herman won yeah yeah, yeah, and right. Horschel was leading at the halfway stage, and he shot a pair of 65s over the weekend as the leader and lost. Like, that's pretty tough, right? And I think those are the things that you have to kind of bear in mind. Like, oh, you look at him and it's like second, was it Billy Horschel over again, doesn't get the job done? No, he shot 66, 64, 65, 65, and lost. Like, it's just, yeah, it's yeah, tough. Yeah, what are you going to do? Um, you know, I take your point on the, the kind of patchy form. It's more like the start of the season, you saw the 11th at the Torrey Pines, 6th at Phoenix, 16th at Honda, 2nd at Bay Hill, and it felt like he was going to win. And then he had that kind of, uh, you know, poor little run and then finally wins Memorial, like say, off of bad form. So um, I do just think he'll kind of turn it around. So I like Billy Horshaw. Was, I, I was going to say a pivot play, but he's he's right up there in terms of ownership. So it's it's really tough. You've got to kind of make, make your choice over those guys at the top. Um, and if you really want to pivot, then go to Webb, but it wouldn't be for me. Right, yeah, or, or Zal if you want to pivot. I think that'll probably be... Yeah, yeah, I don't want to do that either. Um, no. Shane Lowry's the only one then that we haven't spoken about there. Um, 
I just don't know about Shane. I think he's gone off the boil, and like his form here is fine, but nothing that I want to jump up about. So I, I'm pretty easy to put a line through him. Yeah, and you and I spoke a lot about this at the time. Like, if he was going to win, that was the time it was going to be when he was really hot and he needed uh-huh. to take advantage of one of those weeks, Heritage, one of those times when he was the favorite and he went out and he needed to go out and win if he was going to win and he didn't do it. So I think his time kind of is over. I also saw that um, he didn't get his clubs yet. Not really? On Twitter, he was he was tweeted at the airline and said, I'm still waiting for my clubs. This is this morning. So. Yeah. I mean, one of those things that like I just we factor those things in and then and then it just ends up being an absolute nothingness. But like he seems like the type of guy that would get a little bit anal about his clubs and also I just I just don't think he's playing that well. Well we said that about Hovland at the Scottish Open when we liked him and he ended up sucking. True. That is true. Yeah. It's yeah, it's tough to know, isn't it? It really is tough to know what to do. But one of those ones where I'm trying to I'm trying to take those variables out, but by the same token probably have to uh, keep them in mind. But um, going into the 9K range, then we've got Russell Henley 9.8, Corey Connors 9.6, Tyrrell Hatton 9.4, Adam Scott 9.2, and Harold Varner 9. Uh, really weird mix of prices here, actually. Um, I was surprised that, you know, I knew Henley was going to be pretty high coming in because, you know, what he'd done last week, but I was surprised to see like, Hatton 9.4. Um, thought he might have been a little bit lower and, and maybe like a little bit easier to play, but. The one player for me that I like in this 9K range, and then we'll talk about the others, is Harold Varner. Uh, and I never like Harold Varner, uh, you know, ever. Um, but when I kind of look at his kind of um, course form, and I think a little bit of it is hidden. Again, you know, I like to speak about that, obviously. But he was 57th here last year, but opened up with uh, two rounds of 67 to sit inside the top 25 at the halfway stage. He was 7th the year before um, and was never outside the top 10. Uh, he was 60th the year before that and was 19th at the halfway stage. He was 53rd um, whilst shooting kind of four rounds of sub-70. Uh, and he was also 10th where he was 6th at the 54-hole stage and 3rd after round 1. So he's got a really good uh, stretch of form. I mean, when you think about where else he plays well, obviously the Heritage and the players, both kind of courses that kind of come into the line. I think with um, Wyndham, I just really like Harold Varner. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, before you said that those courses, that's what I was thinking too. If there's places he can compete, it seems like these are the ones, right? They're shorter... Uh, courses Bermuda he really plays well on I you know I was thinking about him too and when I was trying to make my betting card and I just don't trust him to win and I know I know that's not what you're saying either um, yeah because he doesn't have to win at this price but I just it's so hard for me to trust him I do agree that he can like he'll probably start hot he'll probably be in the mix at some point but does he fall off on Saturday or Sunday that's the biggest question for me with Varner but I do think he's probably a pretty good play here especially looking at his ownership it all the ownership is really being concentrated here between 96 and 10 6 everything like it just all right in that area so i think if you go above that which we don't really want to that's one option of pivoting but the other one is going below that and he's he's someone who could who could fit that and i think adam scott is kind of someone who could fit that as well um, yeah i think he's playing well so give me give me your thoughts on adam scott and then we'll kind of see if we sort of align with that another thing you know same thing kind of with varner too is like i don't trust him to win he seems like he's kind of been allergic to that the last three or four years and um maybe three years but and he, he had a chance to win here last year, and he missed the, missed the you yeah. know four or five footer, and so that's kind of concerning when I was thinking about winning. But I think at DraftKings wise, I think he is relatively safe with the way he's playing. Like in these weaker fields, we talked about it a bit last week that he kind of shows up, and if he plays well, he's just better than most of these players. Thirty um, seventh last week, but he, that was due to one really really bad round. Other than that, he's been good. You know, the funny thing for him is his ball striking is actually back to kind of where it used to be, but now his putting's falling off, which was the opposite for the last couple of years or so. So. 
he's tough to figure out, um, but I, I do think he can he can contend here. I actually find it encouraging though that if his ball striking is back to where it normally used to be and his putting's bad, that that's just Adam Scott of old, right? And I can kind of live with that. Like Wyndham could he could find some good putts like he did last year and. I know, you know, it just never seems to align for Adam Scott, which I always feel quite bad for him about, because he's kind of got, the, you know, one of the most photogenic swings on tour, and, you know, he seems to have a pretty good attitude to the game, and just, just never seems to get all four facets of his game to line up, even though he's, you know, won plenty of times out there. So, um, hard to feel sorry for a guy like Adam Scott when he's so strikingly handsome and really good at golf, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, Adam Scott, I do feel sorry for the fact that he hasn't just got as many wins as probably his career deserves. Um that leaves Corey Connors, Russell Henley, and Tyrrell Hatton to talk about. So I guess they all just make sense, and it's just it just depends whether you're going to be okay with the ownership or not. Yeah, Connors, I don't. I'm going to fade him because of the ownership, and also I think course form is really important here. He's done nothing special. I think he's played three times, maybe 46, 50 something. He had one okay start, I think. He finished 45th, 22nd, missed cut in three stars here. Yeah, it's just for me that's not good enough for 9600, and I think he's kind of been, you know, he had a really hot form time during the year too, almost similar to Lowry, where it seems like he he should have won back then. And I think his time is kind of towards on the decline for the rest of the season. I'm I'm really not too interested in him, although the course does make some sense. He hits hits a lot of fairways, but you got to be able to to putt here. It's one of the hardest courses on tour to putt, and good putters tend to win this. Look at the last five winners; all of them are very good putters. Last two starts as well, 62nd and 68th in the field in strokes gain approach and 62nd and 46th in tee to green. Like, if Corey Connors isn't striking the ball well, Corey Connors is basically a non-factor. So although you look at where he's played well and you think, okay, he should play well here, uh, course form says otherwise, uh, even like that 22nd place finish, that was the best he was placed the whole week. Like, he never placed better than that. So um, just just not doing it enough for me. Not, not a 9-6 like you say. I... I do get it, and I do get why people want to play him, but the ownership, I think it makes it a pretty easy decision. So it then comes into to Hassan and Henley. I think Henley's the hardest probably to, to fade, although the fact that he's you know his ownership's right up there. But I think Hassan's interesting. Again, this should be a good golf course for him. Uh, we haven't seen him play it. I think he's played it once, and that was kind of like six years ago. So not going to read too much into that. Might have been... Might have been yeah, well, six years ago. And... To me, like this is a guy, hasn't he won nearly won heritage like twice? Tyrrell Hatton? Yeah, has he won it twice or almost no, nearly, nearly won it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was third here, I think, last uh, last year or the year before. But here's the thing, Link uh, that's more of a linksy course though, is the only difference. And I feel like all of his good performances are on links and coastal, right? And like these courses that I think that I keep thinking are gonna fit him well, really don't. Like I thought he was gonna be good at the Canadian Opium, right? Right, but the, those tighter fairways um, caused him to kind of, if he misses the fairway, he was screwed. And I think that's going to be the case here. It looks like the rough is going to be up, and um, it's really important to hit the fairways. And that's my my concern with him. He just doesn't hit fairways. Yeah, it's weird because he's not the longest hitter and yet doesn't hit it particularly straight either. Um, it's weird. He can just get he can get on a really hot run with his driver and look almost automatic. But it tends to be, like you say, in the links, more of the desert stuff he does on, on the DP World Tour seems to be Hatton's jam. Um, just seems to be able to maybe it's just the the visuals of it I remember speaking to Ted Scott about Bubba and, and Phoenix and Augusta and just how it's so obvious where you hit the ball that it kind of suits him so maybe just one of those type of things but what do you do about Russell Henley then for me he's tough to fade I don't think I can I think I gotta play him um and there's a lot made about him blowing it last year and I was on him last year and it was yeah um uh, yeah it was, it was obviously horrible and so but 
you know, to get to that position, he had to have a four-shot lead <laughs> going into the back nine. So yeah. it shows how well this course suits him. And the fact that he gained 5.2 in approach last week, and I think last week was a bomber's course, like I said on the show, and it, I think that turned out to be completely true. A lot of people saying plotters could compete. I really didn't think that that was the case. And it really wasn't. It was one or two outliers, but it's f- four of the probably the longest hitters in the field were in the top five or, or something like that. So, um, And he still gained 5.2 in approach. He, he played... Uh, well, finishing 10th, I think this is and now he's going to the place where arguably is the best fit for him on tour. His, you know, short to mid iron game is is incredible. Uh, he puts better on this surface. I, it's just hard for me hard for me to ignore him this week. So I think it's here, and I think it's the Amex that he's had good finishes before, and you think they're the best courses for him, and he still doesn't quite get it done. And that's the only concern I have is I seem to remember him being a really good fit. I think it was for the Amex earlier in the season. Everyone was kind of really really keen on him. And he finished 14th, which was fine. Um, and I could just see that kind of thing again. I mean, you look at his, his records got better basically every time. So he's, he was 46th on debut, but he was 11th at the halfway stage. Then he missed a cut uh, a few years ago, but then went 31st, 9th and 7th. Uh, like you say, to your point, he had that four-shot lead. So you have to be playing really well to kind of give that away. Worry a little bit that it's based on one performance. Um, and, he, and he does seem expect like if you're playing him and Sungjae, then you know, you're struggling for the rest of the price. But I guess that probably wouldn't be the way you would necessarily build all the time. And if you did, you'd have to find different ways to kind of be unique. Like a lot of times I like guys who are not popular up here and that's easy. But for me, I'm not going to play someone I don't like. And the guys I like here are popular and there's there's really no way around it. So I'm going to have to find different ways. Like, you know, we're going to see Siwoo next. He's going to be popular, but I really like him. So I messaged you this earlier in the week. Like, yeah, it's, it's tough to get away from the chalk this week. The guys who are popular are popular for a reason. And it tends to happen the same way every year. So it's not like this is a course where, you know, the players, where all the popular guys, there's a chance half of them miss the cut. I don't think that's what it's going to be. No, and, and you know, like, sometimes you just have to take it. Like, I know you're, you're obviously more focused on ownership than I am and, um, you know, better sort of game theorists than that maybe. But, like, I just, I just sometimes you just have to go with your gut and I think Wyndham is, is the perfect opportunity for that. And, you know, if, if, if they're high ownership, then then everyone's kind of struggling, right? I think everyone's got the same conundrums this week. Like There is going to be someone that goes out there and, and plays the Webb Simpson and plays the, you know, the couple of guys in the 8K range that are probably not thought of. But, you know, then, then you're taking a really big risk. Like, I think there's genuine miscut risk with Webb Simpson, which, you know, isn't something you think about with a 10-8 guy. Um, yes, he's, he's like 10% ownership, but... You know, that doesn't take away the fact that it's kind of a risk. So I guess you come into this 8K range and like Kevin Kisner would probably be the perfect pairing for Webb Simpson if you wanted to kind of get that ownership down, right? I mean, he's only 9% owned at 8,700 um, and has great course history, obviously, um, being a defending champion and having three more top 10s. But again, just another one I don't really trust. So I, I'm with you. I really like to see with Kim. As I said, it was between him and Billy Horschel for my main bet. Um Denny McCarthy is going with a lot of ownership. What do you think about McCarthy? Yeah, I'm, I never really play him. Um, and last week it worked out for me. I he, he was pretty popular. I didn't I didn't really like him. Um, I don't know. It just seems overpriced. I, I I know he's makes sense and fits well, but he's missed two of his last three cuts. I know the other three starts have been you know three three are probably the better starts of his career. But yeah, at least two of them. But I don't think he's all that reliable. I mean, he's. Ball striking hasn't been great, but it's very inconsistent. He loses loses on approach every other start. Um, putting is always is obviously usually always good, but it wasn't great last week. Uh, he, he's just not for me. 
I think it's one of those ones where, like, because he's had this run of made cuts, apart from those, obviously, two of the last three, but, like, before that, he was just, you know, making every weekend, and the fact that his ball striking was coming closer to his putting numbers than ever before, like, I think there was a lot of excitement about Danny McCarthy, and you look at the fact he's got better every time that he's played here um, as well. Like, there is loads of things pointing to Danny McCarthy, um, you know, being a good selection, but, like, yeah, I just, I, th- I think... I think because I just like Siwoo Kim so much, because I like some of the guys above so much, like I just don't think I can go there. So if I'm going to have to leave someone out, Denny McCarthy is, is fine. Um, then you've got the the Kisners, the Jiwoo Kim, Jiwoo Kim's, the Taylor Pendrith uh, trio there. Any thoughts on any of those three in particular? Yeah, I'm a big-time fade on Tom Kim this week. I actually bet, and I, I don't typically do this, but I bet a head-to-head tournament matchup, Siwoo Kim over Tom Kim. It was only like minus 115 or minus 120. But I just think he's due for some regression, and he, this is his fifth or sixth week in a row. And I know statistically that's a lot of times when you see guys completely fall off the map. Um, I think he needs a week off. I think he's obviously doing a good job taking advantage of the opportunity he's, he's gotten. But I think at some point it slows down. Uh, uh, Thomas, the train slows down. I think that's going to be this week. Hmm. So I'm, I'm going to be fading him. Um, and like you, I just can't get off Siwoo. Got to play him. He's his favorite course back-to-back top 15s um was in the playoff last year his course form is just unbelievable I, i'm sure you have it in front of you but yeah it's it, it's ridiculous i mean he's he's missed two cuts either side of winning on his second start but then he's gone fifth third second so win miss cut fifth third second is just absolutely electric um obviously lost in the playoff last year um i don't know right like i i agree with you on you on kim i think because Tom Kim, that's, that's called him, that's what he wants to be called, right? But, like, you look at it, and he had that third-place finish at the Scottish Open, which basically vaulted him into having the chance to get his card after finishing 23rd at the US Open. Finishes seventh last week, secures that card. Or did he secure the card at the 3M Open? Uh, I think it was 3M, yeah. So, so he's already secured his card, and I think that's another factor. Like, you talk about the six weeks in a row, but also the fact he's got that card now, like he doesn't have to keep chasing that. And I don't know if he's the type of guy who's probably young and maybe didn't even realise how close he was to the card before it actually happened. But like, once that motivation's kind of worn off, like he wouldn't surprise me if he was going to be a withdrawal at some point anyway. I, yeah, I agree. I, I just think it's time. You know, you got to know when, when it's time to jump off, and I think now's the time. Have we deliberately skipped over Kevin Kisner? It, 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 it's so tough with him, right? Like he could have his C game and still finish seventh here, right? Just because it's such a, you know, perfect course for him, the, you know, place where he can he putt well. He typically always putts well here, but he just hasn't been good. I mean, he missed, he's missed eight of his past 10 cuts and he was good at the travelers. But if you look at the stats, he really wasn't, he gained eight strokes putting and did absolutely nothing else. Um, the open, yeah, he was pretty good, but you know, other than that, it really just hasn't been good whatsoever. You'd think some of these other places, like Heritage, right? That should have been a good spot for him. He missed the cut there. Uh, he's just been so inconsistent that I – and he won it last year. I don't really like going back to the last year's winner. So just just for me, there's nothing really that makes me want to play him. So for me, like, at the time of the Heritage, so he'd finished fourth at the players, 33rd at the Valspar, runner-up at the match play, which I was on him for, then finished 44th at the Masters, which you never expected to contend in. So I thought, right, bang, into the Heritage. He loves that course. Um, it's the perfect kind of course for him. He's got runner-up finish there in the past. Um, you know, he's already won the Wyndham. Like, everything kind of points towards him having a good, you know, week at the obviously the Heritage. Missed the cut, and I think that was a real concern for me. And then he just, was it four or five missed cuts straight after that? 
Then he's gone sixth and 21st before missing the cut last week, which again was another course that he's played well at in the past. And yeah, I just I just worry. I think is he, is he doing barstool stuff again this week? I'm not, I'm not saying that's a, a problem. Like I'd like that. I like the players that have got other interests outside of golf, but like or outside of playing PJ Tour golf. But like I just wonder if he probably has rested on his laurels a little bit. Uh, just wants to kind of get to the end of the season, take some time off, and it feels like that might be the case with uh, Kim Kisner. Yeah, and, and maybe he can, like I said, he could probably show up here and not have his best stuff and still play pretty pretty well. But I, I'm, I'm looking for guys at this. I'm still at that 8,700 range. I still want a guy who I think is going to win the tournament. And I don't think he's going to. I think Siwoo Kim has a very, very good chance to. So at 8,800 and 8,700, I don't play enough lineups to where I'm ever going to click Kizzer's name over Siwoo's this week. No, I, th- I think it's just if you really want to get really funky, which, you know, you're never going to get normally Kisner and Webb Simpson that combine ownership at 20% at the Wyndham. So if you want to do it one year, this is it. But um, yep. we shall see. Um, Taylor Pendrith, no? No. No, I, I it's not the right golf course and, and also just worried about regression from last week. Uh, then you've got Bezween out, Brian Harmon, JT Poston, Aaron Wise. Uh, Justin Rose, Davis, Riley, all in the 8K range. Harmon, Bazuin, Hout, and Poston all kind of make sense. They do. They do. Um, Poston's going to be very popular. I'm probably going to fade him because of that, right? And I, I don't fade people strictly on ownership, but if it's something I'm, I'm on the fence on, that's something I use as kind of a tiebreaker. And I'm on the fence with him. Uh, he's playing really well. Obviously, there's a lot that points to the fact that he can play well here. He's won here. But he won two starts ago. Um you know, is he going to win twice in four starts? And if he does, then I lose, whatever. So I've had this debate on, on the Betty show uh, with Jason, who said that I just don't see how Poston isn't going to be involved. And it's like, well, and like, why is he 40 to 1? I understood it. Like, he was comparing his odds to like Denny McCarthy, and they were longer than, than other people below that. And I, I kind of get it, but by the same token, I was like, and I, I have gone with him in the end, but like, I do worry that he can't do it twice in four starts. I do worry that when it points to him, you know, being a perfect week, it doesn't work out. Like we've seen it so many times recently, like everything points to him being really successful. When you look at it, he's got a win here, but he's also got three missed cuts in the 50th in the other four starts. So if he's not absolutely at the top of his game, which he obviously is in great form, then he could miss the cut. Um, so that's a little bit of a risk there in terms of ownership. Folks, Sweaty Sack Summer is approaching and it's now time for you to prioritise the comfort of your crotch. That's why the King of Crotch Comfort, Manscaped, has spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. Now I've had the honour of testing out these new boxers and I can say it's the softest fabric of any underwear I've ever owned. It's so breathable that it's like gills for your groin. They even trademark the jewel pouch so you know it's serious. I think it's time for you to invest into your family jewels, so let your bulge breathe and get 20% off and free shipping by using the code LFW20 at Manscaped. Let's say you're on a date and your partner catches that Manscaped on the waistband of your underwear, it's almost a guarantee to raise some eyebrows and act like a billboard on a highway to Pleasure Town. The micro model fabric is buttery soft and breathable, keeping your cucumber cool. Walk, run or strut, these moisture wicking boxes breathe without breaking a sweat. The tagless waistband hugs your body without digging in and lays flat against your skin to reduce the chafing and the front fly opening gives easy access and makes bath and breaks quick and efficient. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code LFW20 at manscaped.com and that's 20% off and free shipping with LFW20 at manscaped.com. So once the boxes 2.0 touch your sack, you will never go back. 
Between Hell is is about as close as I'm going to get to ever betting or picking Between Hell. Um, you know, he's been he's been showing some good stuff. When you look at the fact that his best finish on tour is second at the John Deere Classic, um, that kind of points to the fact that this is a good golf course for him. So he's been playing solidly without really ever threatening to win. I think apart from the John Deere, and even then he yeah. wasn't really going to win. Well, there's a guy right next to him who I, I consider to be a very, very similar player for a little bit cheaper. And the guy I like a little better in similar ownership would be Justin Rose, who I I was on him last year, finished 10th. I, I think he uh, had a really good performance last year. He played well at the U.S. Open. My only concern, obviously, is the injury stuff, right? He pulled out of the Open. Um, do you have any idea on that? Nothing. I haven't seen anything. I mean, he, it was his birthday this week. Maybe it was just a, I don't know, I have no idea. Yeah, so so for me, I think um, I'd rather play Rose. I, I do like, I just think it's a place. There's a place older guys can compete, and he he showed up last year and played very well. I think he had a really good Sunday as well. So I think maybe that that course has kind of started to grow on him. Um, yeah, I don't think he had a, he played it too much in the past prior to that. But Cebes for me is just, and I don't really play him. I don't really want to play him. I I can see it, but nah, not for me. Brian Harmon's really feast or famine here as well. Uh, we talked about Chasey Postman, but Harmon's sixth, third, and twenty seventh. Uh, against six missed cuts. So really don't know what he's going to do here. Obviously in decent form again. Um, is a John Deere Classic winner. Is a you know third place finisher here. Has played well at the players, which seems to transpire a little bit. So um, I can understand the, the Brian Harmon love if you wanted to get off kind of post or something like that. Um, we won't go one by one anymore. So let's go into, unless you had any more in the AK range you want to talk about? Nope. Nope. So let's go into the 7K range now. Let's just kind of talk about our favourite plays more than just one by one. Um, I keep looking at Keith Mitchell. I keep I keep doing it. I mean, Mark Hubbard's there, and Mark Hubbard's going to continue losing me money. Um, Keith Mitchell's got 55th, 41st, and missed cut uh, starts here, which makes me probably just jump off of him. But like, it's just something telling me that Keith Mitchell could be decent this week. Um, not sure. Yeah. Uh, so I bet Keith Mitchell. Okay. Something about him, I don't know what it is. It just screamed to me that he should play well here this week. Like before he went to Scotland, and I know there was some some uh, narrative about his sister playing in Scotland. But if you look at his his makeup as a golfer, like he's not a guy I ever expected to go play well in Scotland. Um, but prior to that, so again, no, I'm putting not any stock into that. Prior to that, he was trending towards something very like looks like he was trending towards a win, right? 18th at Memorial, seventh at the RBC Canadian. Uh, six at the Travelers, which I think is a, a pretty good corollary course to this this place. Um, he isn't the typical skill set that you'd see win here, but the, the thing is, he when, he can get really hot with the putter. And you've yeah. seen guys who won here who can just gain eight, you know, seven, eight strokes with the putter, especially on Bermuda. It's his his um his best surface. He's kind of a spike putter. He's from, you know he's from that Sea Island area where all those a lot of these guys who have played well are from. Like they're used to this style of golf course, the Georgia, South Carolina. Um, and I just think his talent is better than his price, and nobody's really playing him. So for me, you know, I, I always say I might play some popular guys up top, but I'm always going to find places to make my lineup a little different, and he's going to be, you know, the spot where I think I can start that. And it was earlier in the year as well. Like you talk about that recent run that he's been on where he's trending toward a win, but, like, he's been doing it all season, like, just in, in fits and starts, right? Like, there was a time at the start of the season where I was convinced Keith Mitchell was going to get another win. Like, he was 12th for the RSM, 7th for the Sony, 12th for Pebble Beach, 10th for Phoenix, 9th for Honda, and you think... It's going to happen. I think I was on him for the Players' Championship because um, that was kind of the first time he got a decent price in him. He finished 13th, which was fine. Um, so I really like Keith Mitchell. You're right that it's not 
the normal skill set that you see here. But then when you look at the fact that he's top 10 at the Sony, uh, 11th at the Valspar, you know, he's one Honda, like shorter kind of tests, I think, uh, have kind of favoured him in the past. So despite the fact that he, he's the one that if there was someone's come, overcome poor course form, I think he would be it. And I don't think you necessarily, although it does seem to be that if you've had good finishes here in the past, you can carry those on. I don't think you necessarily had to have had a good start to start good form here. No, he hasn't. I don't think he's had enough starts to completely rule him out. And look at all these the places he's contended. Like this season, um, if you look at Honda Classic winners, right? He won that. Sungjae won it. Plays plays very well here. Um, Henley won it. He plays very well here. Sabatini won it. He plays very well here. Um, there's others too, I think. But like uh, Cooch, who doesn't really play here, but it's a place that you you really think that um, that he could. Luke Donald. Uh, just the places where he won it. He's won in. Well, that's the only place he's won, but the yeah. other places he's played well, I think, make a lot of sense. Just, you, you just listed him, Sony, right? Henley plays well there. Um, so yeah, I think it's more of a course fit than you might that might realize at first glance. And I think also it's probably just a course as well that if you are just in red hot form, you can contend. Like, you know, uh, Doc Redmond three missed cuts and a third place finish here. Like Nick Taylor mm-hmm. three missed cuts, two top tens. It's it does seem a little bit random as well as predictable. It's, it's, it's a really weird mix. Like Jonathan Vegas, 8th and 15th, four missed cuts. Like, it's, it's, I mean, to be honest, Jonathan Vegas is probably a similar skill set, I guess, to Keith Mitchell. I like, can get hot with the putter, can drive the ball pretty well at times. Like, that gives me confidence that if he can finish in the top 10, so can um, so can Keith Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I like Mitchell a lot, and it's a, he's not popular, so it's a, a good, you know, we got to find some guys who aren't popular, right? Yeah, so, I mean, Adam Long was someone that I liked. I mean, he makes a ton of sense, I think. Um, 7,700. What's the ownership line on Adam Long? 11, nearly 12%. Uh, I'm pretty sure his course form was decent. Uh, so he's got a 31st place finish to two missed cuts, but it's just kind of that current form. I think people are just looking for maybe a safety net in this range. He's one of those guys, I guess, um, which seems weird, but he's got, what, four straight top 25 finishes? Um, and he's yeah. finished 13th for the John Deere as well. Yeah, 6.6 on approach last week, which is you know the reason everyone likes Henley is because what he did on a, did on approach and Long gained more strokes on approach than he did. So um, yeah, I I wasn't really looking at him prior to this, but he he definitely definitely makes some sense. And you get Stallings right there too, who just continues to play well every single week. Yeah, uh, it's it's weird with Stallings because like I don't necessarily see this as the golf course that he's gonna win on, um, and his kind of course form suggests that. But again, another guy that. He's missed five cuts here, but also got a 14th place finish. So if you're just playing well enough, I think you can just overcome those things. Um, I'm going to avoid Mark Hubbard. I think that, again, it's just maybe just that run is over. Um, Sebastian Munoz. What about Munoz? He just hasn't been playing much, has he? No, that's what I was thinking. I was trying to wrap my brains as to how he's played, and I just don't think he has, has he? Let's just have a look at his kind of last starts. Uh, so he played at the Open, played the Open Championship, and finished 62nd, uh, missed the cut in Scotland. But before that, he'd, he'd taken two weeks off. He took two weeks off since those. Got the 14th and the 25th before that. I just wonder with, with Munoz, because is it, is it the heritage that he's played at while in the past? I think so. Um, I'm I'm never been really a Munoz guy, so I don't, you know, I'm, I'm probably not the one to ask, but I, RSM, he was third. So fourth at the John Deere Classic, third at the RSM twice. So it's the RSM that I was thinking about in terms of maybe some crossover. So 
that to me suggests that he could do something. I mean, we know he can get hot. He's probably a first-round leader candidate, nothing else. Um, I want to play Cameron Champ. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's that's risky. It's risky, but I just want to do it. Like, it, it's not the right course for him. But we talk, we always talk about the fact that when he's playing well, he can win. And, you know, he signposts it. And, you know, he's only played it once and missed the cut. But I can't remember what kind of form he was in then. I can't imagine it was great because he never seems to be in a great run of form ever. Um, so, to me, like, if he's playing well, I think he can overcome that kind of course fit narrative. Yeah, I mean, totally. The only thing I, I would say about that is I don't think he's ever, ever played well in one of these types of courses, right? Like, if you want to say John Deere, but I still think it's a little bit different because it's more wide open and you can kind of, you don't have to hit a lot of fairways. Um, yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's definitely a good pivot to where if he if he does win, you're probably and you and you, and you have a decent lineup, you're probably winning. So that's that's a good thing. So no one's going to be playing. The one I took was the sixth place finish at the RSM. That was the, oh yeah yeah that, right. that was the one kind of hope when he shot a second round sixty three. I just think he's capable of doing that. Like he's just capable of just getting really hot for a couple of rounds and putting himself in contention. I think once he gets there, he he tends to you know to stay there right and. It's just, well, we've seen it. You know, he's three-time winner on the PGA Tour, which is absolutely absurd when you think about the fact that with those back-to-back wins, Tony Finau's only a four-time winner. Like, it to me, it, it's really surprising what Cameron Champ's done in his career. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think there's there's some scope to doing it. Again, like you said, there's no there's no real confidence in it um, because of those courses that he hasn't played. That, but I think also he just hasn't, hasn't played enough of them. He's not been around long, has he? Like, he's not been around any yep. of those courses long. Like you say, 11th at the John Deere, 6th at the RSM. Like, maybe he can just overcome that kind of thing that suggests he doesn't fit the course. Like, he was two shots outside the top five at the John Deere and, and shot a 71 on the final day. Yep. And, yeah, that was when he showed, started the show last year before he won 3M. A um, little bit off topic, but kind of on topic. Okay. Just, just before, before I forget, remind me and us... Yes. Next, uh, or in this fall to bet Pendrith at the Sanderson Farms. Okay. Right? Because Champ won there, right? He's perfect spot for him. Um, the bo- All those bombers who we saw at the top of the leaderboard last week, we, we, we even mentioned that correlation with the Rocket Mortgage, too. So I think yeah. that'd be a good spot for him to get his first win in probably a weaker field. So just, just throwing it out there for the world to hear before I forget. Yeah, so a lot. I mean, it's weird, though, isn't it? Because you look at the people, that, there's a real eclectic mix of people that win the Sanderson Farms as well, isn't there? Like Sam Burns has won it. Cameron Champs won it, but also Sebastian Munoz and Ryan Armour's won it. It's a really, it's a really weird mix of yeah. of winners. Sergio there. too, though another bomber. Sergio, right. yeah, big big hitter. Uh, Cameron Young was second, obviously to Sam Burns. Um, yeah, yeah, weird. It's weird because like Cameron Champ beat Corey Connors. Uh, you know, Sergio Garcia beats Peter Manarsi. It's, it's a weird mix, isn't it? But yeah, part of it too is probably the field strength, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's probably the case. But that, that's another thing I just really like about Cameron Champ. I think he's motivated. I think he's playing well. Weird that he had all that tape on his arm the other day. Mm. I wonder if that's a, whether it's just a long-term thing because he he just never seems to be fit, does he? Right, and I think it. You know, what also was weird because I was on him, I was following him very closely. His his Friday round was bizarre. Yeah. Like it, I was tracking him, and I had no idea what he was doing. Like he was leaving chips like 30 feet short, missing the green from 100 yards, and then he was great Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. So he just he's really tough to to kind of nail down. But I I do think it's a um, a decent, decent idea. And for me, a couple of hundred dollars cheaper, the second guy I'm going to look to to kind of make my lineups different, who 
is like your champ play is very risky is Harris English. Yeah, um, I've, been, I've been sending you for weeks. I've been trying to play Harris English somewhere. Uh, and this, this is a spot, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's another one of those Sea Island guys, right? He's familiar with the area. Um, he's missed his last few cuts, but those really aren't spots you'd expect Harris English to play well, the Open or the, or the Rocket Mortgage. Um, places like this, he tends to play really well. Travelers seems to be a similar type of course. Uh, St. Jude, uh, shorter par 70. Um, uh, where, where else? RSM, sixth place last year. Uh, so if there's a place where you can kind of find it, I think this could be it. And I think he's played fairly well here. So he's got he's never missed a cut. So in seven starts here, his best finish is 10th. He's also got an 11th. But when you look at... So when he was 11th, he was 4th at the halfway stage. When he was 23rd two years ago, which is his most recent start, he was 5th at the halfway stage. Uh, so just really solid here. Um, I, I think he makes the cut. I think he makes the cut and maybe finishes 25th. And yeah, I mean, that's that'd, a decent that'd be finish. Fine. Yeah. So, I mean, get some more people in like that and, and you're pretty good. Um, I guess Adam Svensson's going to be popular again, is he? Yeah, very popular. And I get it. I get it. But I'm just, he's not for me. He wasn't for me when he missed the cut. It wasn't for me when the whole world's been at 45 to 1. And he's not going to be for me now. Yeah, I was, I was in that group. I was also in the group of Alex Smalley last week, which, you know, I, I actually really like it. I'm going to go back to him again. The 7,500. Uh, decent ownership number, I think. Uh, you know, I think he's only about sort of seven percent owned. Um, is a member of this golf course, has played it hundreds of times, and he was 29th here last year, I believe, on his actual PJ Tour debut at the at the course. Played really well at John Deere. Uh, he was eighth here at the halfway stage last year. He shot a 64 on the Friday. I just really think Alex Smalley is gonna gonna do something soon. Like his contending form is just absolutely ridiculous. I think anyone that listened last week was. You know, listening to all the spill that I gave on him, missed the cut last week. Uh, I think it was on the number or by one. Um, but, you know, he, he, he was 16th for the John Deere Classic after a slow start. And that just gives me hope that that, plus that he's a, a member here. And it's just a course that suits him. I think Alex morley has got a great chance again. Yeah, I, I like to play. Um, I'm probably not going to go there because, you know, this is one of those guys, you've been, if you've been playing him the last four or five weeks, which a lot of people have, then you probably should continue to do it this week. But if you haven't then, then there's no real reason to jump on for me, I don't think. So I'm not going to, although I understand all those points. The next guy I was looking at who really isn't in good form is C.T. Pan, who I remember was um, in the mix here. There was the year Snedeker shot a 59, and then C.T. Pan's wife was on the bag. I think he blew one in the woods right on 18 and double bogeyed it to, to lose to Snedeker. But um, course fit-wise, it should be really good. He missed the cut last week, but he was 24th at the John Deere, 31st at the 3M. Um, and he's a guy, 16th at the Honda. We talked a little bit about that. And he's um, a guy who like, has been popping in all these people's models and you know great stats and all that, and he's been terrible when people have played him in that situation. Now it's kind of the opposite. He's not really showing up. He's pretty much under the radar, and this is a course where he should play pretty well. Uh, I think I'm going to try to go to him here. Yeah, that, that, so that runner-up finish that you mentioned there, he was also 10th at the halfway stage two years ago when he shot a Friday 64 and then just fell right back after a Saturday 76. So again, maybe just a little bit of hidden form on CT Pan. It's one of those ones where I probably I thought about him and it's like one of those ones where when he was playing well, he didn't really capitalise and whether he can now can just find it when he's not playing as well, it's, it's really tough to tell. Um, but like you say, a good course fit will definitely be overlooked. Same ownership, virtually. Um, very similar price, $100 cheaper. Taylor Moore. I really like Taylor Moore. I just think he's done a lot of good stuff. Um, 
in his career so far. His career, what I like about people like Taylor Moore, it's like a career that was halted by like a tragic accident. Like he had a collapsed lung, uh, and then a week later it was collapsed again. Like he's he's just been through the ringer. Um, and other than that, he that's kind of put him back. And otherwise, I think he's just a really good golfer that has, you know, been there for. A decent period of time, I think. Isn't he like one of Duke's all-time better players? Um, or is that Smalley? Might be Smalley. One of the two. Yeah. Might be Smalley. Uh, but but Taylor Moore is just like... He was sixth last week. He was 24th at the John Deere. Uh, he was seventh after 36 holes at the John Deere. And I just think he finds himself in a similar situation again. He could step forward on a bit of an easier golf course. 15th and third, third in approach the last two. 30th and sixth, uh, sixth tee to green. Uh, I just really like Taylor Moore. Him and Alex Morley are kind of grouping together as similar talents, I think. I'm a bit surprised he's he's uh, low-owned, you know, after hearing all that stuff. And um, I've always thought of him as a bomber. I don't know if he's a com- completely a bomber. He does hit it pretty far. Yeah, I think I think there's a bit more to him than than that, um, which is which is a good thing, right? Right, so yeah, so that's why going into it, I was kind of like, you know, did he play well last week just because it was all those bombers were up there and you had really such an advantage with distance last week. Um, but yeah, but there's definitely more to his game than that. Uh, I think it's a, it's probably a good play. He was, what do you say, he was third in approach last week? Yeah. So, yeah, very good. Yeah, it seems like a good play to me. Yeah, I just think it's one of those ones where like maybe you're just chasing what he's done in you know in the recent start, but hard to tell. Uh, people would be maybe jumping off of Grayson Sig after missing the cut last week, but I think it's a good golf course for him again. I've kind of always circled the Wyndham as the perfect place for him to play well. Um, we've had Doug Gim conversations recently. I don't know if I'm going to go there again. Uh, JJ Spawn flashed last week. I mentioned JJ Spawn as, as potentially coming back um, after you know a tough period. I thought it was a good golf course for him. Uh, finished eighth last week and was decent as ball striking. I think he could do that again. Yeah, and just to, to build off your um, SIG point again, Georgia guy, right? You've, you've seen a lot of guys like that kind of in this in this range play well. So I, I do like that. I wasn't even really thinking of him until now. So that, that, that makes some sense. Um, what is his spawn? You said what's his 7,300? 73. I prefer Taylor Moore. So I, I would only pick Taylor Moore really over the two of them because there's no need to go to spawn. But I just it's another name if people win one. Yeah, he makes some sense, but I agree with you. I like I like more better, and then I also like um, Sig better as well. Any others for you in the seven K range? No one else that I really. I mean, there's just there's a whole host of names that could play well. Tyler Duncan was someone for me that really stood out when I was looking at the betting at 125 to one. Didn't go there, and interesting enough, a guy that we always talk about, David Lipsky, came up as well. So Lipsky and Duncan came up for me in terms of betting, and not sure they're the safest plays in DFS, but ones that you can kind of put in if you want to go heavy at the top. Duncan a bit too popular for me. Yeah, I know he makes a lot of sense in theory. He basically is Webb Simpson, right? That's what just I said. A... I just said he's a B-Tech version of, of, of yeah, Webb yeah. Simpson, which wouldn't uh, probably doesn't transfer. You don't have B-Techs in uh, in America, but it, I don't know. I don't know if it's like a GD. Is that the right thing? No, no B is B is right. I say yeah. Do you have a B, um, do you have B-Techs in America? No, no. I, I think it'd be like the like. Oh no, B version. No, no, no. So there's there's a there's a qualification called a B Tech, which is basically when you can't get through um, like secondary school, you then go and do a B Tech instead of going to like oh, yeah. high school, <laughs> um, which I'm guessing is I don't know what it is. So there's 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 another sort of translation there somewhere. Um, someone that knows American and English will know how to uh, to transpire that one. But he's the worst version of Webb Simpson, is what I'm trying to say uh, in an English <laughs> way. Um, but yeah, Tyler Duncan, I, I do think he's just got. I think he can flash. Like he's just been, he's been hitting some really low rounds recently. Um, 
I'd say really low rounds, but like consistently low rounds. Like he's finished 13th, 45th, and 44th, but he shot Saturday 65 last week to be in 12th place and then finished with a 74. Uh, he shot Saturday 66 at the 3M Open, and he shot a second round 64 at the Barbasaur as well. Um, so really he's just hitting some low numbers, and this is a golf course that he should like. So I do like Duncan. Uh, I will play him. I will probably play some Lipsky as well. Lipsky, I'm struggling to find a course that I think is really perfect for him. Yeah, I don't know. And, and just a quick um, news break here. Johnny Vegas withdrew, not if anyone was thinking about okay, playing. that's good. I mean, it means, means I haven't got to make a decision on him. Um, any others for you in the 7K? Seven. Um, Matt Wallace has been playing okay. Yeah, I never know what to do with Matt Wallace, and I just basically just take the stance of I'm not going to do it. Um, I spoke to Ryan Barrow last week, and he was pretty keen on him uh, in terms of betting, and he finished 10th, so... It's good signs. Uh, it's all going well. Uh, don't know if it's the best course for him. I feel, I feel like he's better when it's tougher and longer. Yeah, I agree. So that's, that's where I'm at too. So yeah, no one really else in the sevens. I think we have a, have most of it covered. I really like Hayden Buckley at six nine. He he was playing some really good stuff earlier on in the season, and we I think a lot of people tried to chase that. But fourth at the Sanderson's, eighth at the Shriners, twelfth at the Sony Open, then just went through a really tough stretch. But then thirteenth at the Corrales. 14th for the US Open really ignites what he was doing. 30th at the John Deere has one bad round, uh, and then 26th and 24th last two weeks. Yeah, um, makes some sense. He's he's kind of a bomb. I think of him a bit as a bomber too. He really he does hit it far. Um, I course fit wise, it's not the exact place I would picture him kind of breaking through at. No, I just I just see him finishing top 20 and, and paying off the the price. Yeah, definitely. He's a, he's a good. Uh, He's a, he's a good player, I think, in long term. He's you know makes a lot of sense. So yeah, I the guys I was looking at here, um, similar price. Chesson Hadley, who was very popular last week, we liked him. He let everybody down, but I don't see why he can't. It's not like he was horrible. He just was okay. Um, yeah, I, I just I, it's one of those ones where like I I take it too personally that he let me down last <laughs> week. Um, but I used a lot of what he did at the Wyndham as reasoning to, to play him, right? Like, I, I loved the fact he shot that final around 62 under pressure to get in the FedEx Cup and made that hole-in-one. And, you know, if, if you're going to use that the week before, why not use it at the course that he actually did it at, I suppose? Um, tough to know. Right. I mean, when he when he did come in 15th last year at the Wyndham, he was coming off, missed cut at the Barbasol, 58th at the 3M, and then he came in 15th, and then he missed two cuts in a row. So I think it's just the course that might be the the right thing for him and obviously he's you know from this area putts really well in bermuda can get hot with a putter i, I think i'm gonna go back to him he's not quite unowned but he's less popular than he was last week so I, i'm probably gonna go back yeah I can, I can definitely see it i can't i can't make any negatives about it i just don't feel strongly about him enough to play him uh i don't think if you can avoid the real top guys and, and pairing two of them together you don't necessarily have to spend too much time in here um tough isn't it there's just players now that just don't kind of move around these prices like chad ramey's been 6600 for basically forever or like in this price range and just doesn't really go up or down um i like the talent of yannick paul i really really like yannick paul but i think it's probably the wrong golf course for him um he's more of a dp world tour guy uh he did have back-to-back 20 20th place finishes on the pj tour at the barbers on the barracuda so playing some good stuff um, I think he could play well. I uh, just don't know what to do in terms of his course fit. I think uh, Nick Taylor I looked at. Yeah, I mean, he's played well at some of those courses. Yeah, guys who play well in short courses. But I think we're glossing over the um, 
the winner here. The winner. <laughs> no, not the winner, but guy I love and I always love is, to play. Is, Roy Sabatini. I was waiting for Brandon Wu again. <laughs> oh, no, no. I, I like him on the Bombers courses. Um, Rory Sabatini, yeah. I mean, he... What is it? He's, is he, he's won this before, hasn't he? Um, way back yeah. when. But he's got, like, it, four top tens in his last six starts here. And even when he's terrible... <laughs> so last year, he missed five consecutive cuts, finished 10th here, and then missed five of his next six cuts. So, like, it's just this course specifically that he that he plays well at. Um 2020 he wasn't good but 2019 he was in the top six uh just pretty much every time he plays here and last year last week he wasn't bad uh he's good he likes the donald ross designs um you know he's one of the he ranks in the top five in total strokes gain on on donald ross designs no one's probably going to play him but i think he has a you know i think he can finish in the top 20 it's just one of those where, like, because there was nothing, he wasn't charged by like ball striking last week. He's just not going to flash up to people, right? Like, that's it's not necessarily a bad thing, is it? Um, it's interesting. I, I can't do it, but I mean, <laughs> I, I looked at him for like first round leader and things like that, which is always a conversation I sort of have on these uh, shows. And I don't know, he's just weird, isn't he? Um, is he a sea lion guy? I uh, I don't think so. I don't know where he lives now, but I th- Slovakia. I mean... Slovakia. I think his body's falling apart. That's my concern. Like yeah. he can't even pick the ball up out of the hole. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't get it in the hole very often either. So it's probably uh, probably the the problem. Yeah, that um, that's true. Charlie Hoffman flashed last week. He did. Like he did, in uh, a, in a big way. Like he was top ten out of nowhere, um, and I'm pretty sure. It was, yeah, like second tee to green. Uh, where did he finish in approach? He was first in approach. So first and first, second tee is green. Like, never done a lot here, which is what kind of put me off him in the end. But um, I think he's got a top 10 in the past. Let me just have a look. Yeah, so I can't see if he has had one, but like his course form here is horrendous. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't know. I think he probably could, could do something the way he hit the ball last week. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, his last four starts here, he's missed the cut. Um He's made, made made three cuts in a row now. Yeah, maybe maybe he's on to something. Um, I, he usually plays well on you know longer golf courses, and I I don't know if that has something to do with it there. But Donald Ross last week, so maybe the green complexes he liked and stuff like that too. So I didn't realize he was priced down here. Um, kind of makes it for a tough decision actually with how well he struck it. Yeah, I just maybe it's just one week, right? Like it just it just happens. Like Charlie Hoffman is a is a really good talented player for a long period of time on the PGA Tour and can just flash those weeks and maybe we shouldn't think too much into it but like if you look at the fact he's the same price as Sabatini I know Sabatini's got the course form but like I feel like Charlie Hoffman's probably got a bit more to offer the PGA Tour than Sabatini has at this stage yeah what, what about Malnati he's played well at, at courses like this right he um where we talk about that he we just talked about him somewhere um when he Sanderson's Farmies finished second, didn't they? We were talking oh, about. that's right. Yeah, nothing to do with this. Um, but these shorter courses, he's, he's played all right. I thought he was in the mix for was it two weeks ago? I he was up there. Yeah, finished Three 11. Open, yeah, ninth at the Byron Nelson, 15th in Mexico, 30th at the John Deere, which is always a good sign. Um, it's just probably gonna finish 20th. Satoshi Heritage winner. <laughs> yeah, if uh, I mean, what is he doing these days? I mean, it feels like he hasn't been around for a long time in terms of the leaderboard. 6,800. Uh, where is he? Missed cut 64 for 27th. 30th, but the John Deere shot the third round 64. Heritage winner. Um, wow. Yeah, I guess 
it's tough down here. Three missed cuts here. It's it's t- it was really tough. I think I I love that kind of lower seven k range. That I don't need to be here. Like I love Smalley, love Champ, love Taylor Moore. I say I love Champ. I like the idea of Champ doing well. Um, so I like that kind of mid to low sevens. I don't need to spend too much time here. But I guess for for the benefit of of the listeners, we should probably talk about some of these guys. But I don't know. Like I, th- I feel like I'd be doing a disservice if I if I put anyone too strongly here because I just don't feel that strongly about anyone. Yeah, the one guy who I took a really deep look at and I didn't really love what I um, what I found. <laughs> but but I but in theory, like there's a reason I took a deep look at him is Robert Streb, who obviously won the RSM. He's gained strokes and approach in four consecutive events. He was 11th at the 3M. Um, he plays well at all these courses we've talked about. Valspar, Honda, um, RSM, obviously. And it seems like he's kind of starting to put the ball striking together four consecutive weeks with strokes gained approach um, gain. So for me, he is a guy who could, could you see him popping randomly up at the Wyndham? When I looked more into it, the, what I didn't like was the fact that he doesn't really have course history here, which was confusing to me. I, I don't understand how he hasn't. No, it's weird. It is a weird one. I'll tell you who is randomly popped up uh, in my research is uh, William McGirt, who is actually in the top 20 uh, in first round scoring average. He finished eighth at the Travelers Championship. He's made his last two cuts. Uh, just missed the cut at the John Deere Classic. And, yeah, I mean, he's got eight 14th and finishes here. I, I don't think he's going to do it, but he has been a first-round leader in the past. Uh, I think he could get through the cut on it, so it's 300. Dirt McGirt. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. And I guess we ha- we probably have to talk about Sloan, right? We played him last week. I played him last week and yeah. because, of, because of the Donald Ross and that course in the course history. And last year he, he was in a playoff year, and he's not really – seem like he's not really getting much ownership he's gained an approach three consecutive weeks made two consecutive cuts um and this is a place where he was the first round leader here two years ago and he lost in a playoff last year yeah and he's after missing the cut kind of like six seven years ago when he wasn't really playing the level he is now he's made three straight cuts here so finished uh 39th shooting a 66 and a 65 in 2019 finished 31st behind that first round lead uh was 62 never kicked on from that but was 10th at the halfway stage and then, like you say, last week, last year, uh, 64, 64, 66, actually bounced back really well from an opening 71. Uh, possibly is one of the people that's been most hard done by by his pitcher on DraftKings. Uh, <laughs> if you look at Roger Sloan, probably worse than Will Zalatoris just being the American flag. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's probably worth playing at 6,300. That's cheap. I mean, for his course form. I mean, I mean, I just anyone... I just spoke about I just spoke about Will McGurt. So if <laughs> if he's if he's the same price, we should probably be playing Roger Sloan. How about Kiradash? He's good in Bermuda. He's made he made a cut last week. Whatever. Like he's <laughs> just so hard to get right. Like yeah, he, he would is. just he would just win at some point. Like or top five, and he just parks another Ferrari in his garage, and, and that's it. I was yeah, interestingly enough, I was watching the best of the open zone on Sky Sports earlier, which is like when they just have Nick Doherty getting people to come up and do challenges. And after Barn Rap, they were talking about like his length of swing or something like that. I don't know, I wasn't really listening. It was on in the background. But he basically just said something along the lines of like, it's just because I'm too fat. <laughs> it's just yeah. like <laughs> he's, he's like, the best. Too... I remember he posted an Instagram story of him like on the driving range shirtless. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. And then he almost wins Wentworth, which is a course that would make no By sense way, for him. He just absolutely nuked a ball into the trees. Into was, the bush, I, I remember, there. yeah. He was he was awful in that closing stretch. Um but he kept playing himself out of it and then making like eagle birdie like stretches. He's just he's so good. Um 
my favourite thing about Abby Barmerat, did you hear the story when he did the Subpar podcast and he said that he, no. he rented out a second apartment uh, and it was basically just to house all of his shoes and watches and stuff that he was hiding from his girlfriend. But his girlfriend, <laughs> his girlfriend found the second apartment and just assumed that he, she, he was like cheating on her or something. It was just all of his shoes. And like, I think he lost like his shoes at the Olympics or something. And he got really annoyed that someone had sold his shoes and not the fact they'd taken like three grand out of his wallet. He, he loves the swag, the cars. The, he's a flashy guy. He, it just doesn't make any sense, though, does it? Like, you look at him, it's like, why does he love these things so much? It's just That's like, it, I'm playing them. Let's get him in. Happy Barmer. <laughs> uh, let's hope he's topless and playing in his in his Jordans uh, yes. whilst wearing a Rolex. Um, that's about it for me. I think that's probably a good place, pretty good place to end um, yeah. in terms of in terms of what we're looking at down here. I don't think there's too much else to talk about on the uh, 6K range. So let's summarise our picks. So our favourite in the 10K range. So for me, it would be Billy Horshaw, and for you, I'm assuming, would be Sungjae. Yes, South Korea week, baby. Nine K range. Nine K. It's a short, short range. Henley. I'm going to take uh, Harold Varner there. Uh, both at Siwoo Kim in the eight Ks. Absolutely. Yeah, let's go there. Seven uh, Ks. See, this is where we might we might get different. I think we both kind of liked Keith Mitchell at the top. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe we play two in here and say Keith Mitchell and one other. So I'll take Keith Mitchell and Taylor Moore. I'm going to go Keith Mitchell and uh, Harris English. I like it. I, I like that a lot. Uh, this 6K Ranger, is it Effie is it Barmer for you? <laughs> I wish it was. <laughs> I wish it was. Um, it's going to be... Ugh. Sloan. It's, it's really rough here. Do you, Actually, one guy we didn't talk about that that makes sense maybe is, is Herman, who won here a couple of years ago. Any any thoughts on him? It's just another guy that's just... He's basically happy barn rat, except he's just not flashy and he's not cool. Like he just yeah. he just turns up all of a sudden and just wins. Well, and he's won here. That's the best a yeah. big differentiator. But he's actually got eleventh and eight. Like on top of those, that win, he's actually got eleventh and eighteenth place finishes here. So it's it's fair to say that he's actually just good at this golf course. I mean, the fact that he won that uh, is absolutely outstanding considering what Billy Horschel was doing uh, that week. What's he done recently? Jim Herman made the cut at the Barbasol, fifty sixth at the Heritage. 47 for the RSM. So on the courses that kind of similar to this one, yeah, I, whatever. Like if he wins, great. I mean, it'd be, it'd be really cool, wouldn't it? But yeah. um, I, I can't do it. I'll probably. So I'd like to say I'm not playing these guys, but I'm I'm gonna have to get a little bit weird when I'm at the top. I'm going with uh, you know like Sungjae and Henley. I'm gonna combine these guys a lot. Siwoo. So I might have to put Herman or Sloan. I think, but Sloan's the guy I would go with who I think is is definitely safer at 6,300. Yeah, Sloan makes the actual most sense. I'm actually gonna play Dirt McGurt just for like nostalgia <laughs> version. Like, I just I just like it. Um, I mean, when I when I lose all my money next week and or this week and it's because I played William McGurt at like. 80% ownership then uh, you know I probably deserve everything that came to me but like isn't he a guy that just I don't even know like how he's still around like yeah is he high ownership no no I meant as in like ownership my ownership of him <laughs> I was going to say how is no, that possible no 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 there's, um, I don't think anyone's owned Will Mugger and shouldn't own Will Mugger either um, but it's just really weird he's got like one PJ Tour win and I just think of him as this guy that's been around for 100 years and he's still only 43 yeah, he looks all. He's. I don't think it doesn't seem like he takes very good care of himself. But uh. <laughs> no, we talk about like we talk about Afi Barnrat, but McGurk is probably actually worse. Um, he has just been around for so long. Uh, it's still only forty three. 
Um, I love it. He, his children are called Miles Cameron Mac McGirt and, and Caroline McGirt. For, uh, you know, if you wanted to know that, I've just got it up on his Wikipedia here. Um, I can't believe he's still 43 years of age. Like, no, we, no. We think about Tiger Woods being broken, like, at whatever age he is. Will McGirt should not look the way he looks at 43. Like, he's had no real... He's had a couple of injury problems, but nothing like what... Well, I mean, he had a hip, I think he had a really bad hip injury or something, which makes perfect sense when you yeah. look at William McGirt. He has to be divorced, too. I, I don't know that, but it's, <laughs> it's, I think it's just a good guess. Uh, well, apparently he's been married since 2004, and there has been no update. Wow. So you, you never know. Um, another guy, and this is a, a completely off topic, too, but doesn't Cooch look like he's 44 going on 70? Just yeah. the way he walks and moves? Like, I don't know how he, the guy looks so old. Also, he had that kind of sketches. Uh, sponsorship from an early point uh, you just think okay you must be 105 and then yeah, what that is, adds five years and then isn't Fitz now on the sketches uh, yeah that's right that's yeah I mean he's gonna look I mean he can't look any older than he looks because he actually looks about 10 um, so it's the complete opposite maybe that's just their way of rebranding sketches is through Matthew Fitzpatrick um, I can't believe Cooch is not here by the way I, just, I don't get it he did, and looking back on it, he doesn't really play here all that all that often yeah, I think it's the perfect golf course for him, and maybe he just knows otherwise, which seems weird to me. A good segue here is, I, and I do like Sabs as a play at 6,900, you know, and a good segue because he's 46 going on 75 too. So <laughs> yeah, we've just got, we've got we've got these guys. I mean, we've just we've just spoken about William McGurk, Rory Sabatini, Matt Kuchar, uh, and Afi Barmrat in a positive light for 10 minutes. Um, yeah, and one of them's not even playing. Yeah, one of them's not even playing. So <laughs> if you want all of the key information um, about the Wyndham Championship, you come to the Lost for Words DraftKings podcast. Uh, me and Matt will talk to you about overweight, uh, possibly divorced uh, humans on the PJ Tour who are 43 going on 106. So William McGirt, if you're listening, uh, we love you. Uh, we're really proud of you for what you've done in your career. Um, I don't know how you're still here. Yeah, and I was just kidding about the divorce thing, William. <laughs> yeah, no worries, William. Glad you've been married since 2004. Um, that's it. That's it for the Wyndham Championship. I think anything else would get uh, silly. Uh, I enjoyed that. It, it's, it lightened up the mood. I think it's that type of event, right, that you know we can take it seriously and we're here to make money, um, but also it's the end of the season. It's been a long season, uh, it feels like, and you know we, we're still pretty new in terms of our show, um, So, but we've just been busting out content for the PJ Tour for you know separately for just what is it like 150 weeks so um yeah i just i just feel like it's it's time to you know wind down a little bit yeah and it's been it's been a good year i mean it doesn't feel like it does it but you and i have just completed a full regular season together and we didn't miss a single week no we didn't you know consistency is, is what you need right so um i like it matt we've got some positive things to go into the playoffs um and then it won't be long before the regular season starts again so we can't really have a break Nope, no breaks, and I don't want one, so let's have a good week. Good. Thanks, Matt.